It's time to get inside the Giants huddle. Let's go, let's go, let's go. On Giants.com. I like it, I like it, I like it. And the Giants mobile app. Boom. Give me some juice. Part of the Giants podcast network. Let's roll. Welcome to another episode of the Giants huddle podcast brought to you by Citizens, the official bank of the New York football Giants. A lot coming your way on today's show. A special supersized bonus Friday episode. As always, we'll have Bob Popple with head coach of the Giants, Brian Dable. Our bonus content is Carl Banks with edge rusher Kayvon Thibodeau. I speak to Giants edge rusher Jihad Ward. And Lance Meadow gets the lowdown on the Raiders from Jason Horowitz. But we're going to start with the man known as Hottie. Now we're joined by Giants defensive end, edge rusher, defensive lineman, Jihad Ward. And we'll talk about all that and more. Hottie, what's going on, man? I'm good, man. You know what I mean? Just getting ready for the next, you know what I mean? Get ready for Las Vegas. You know, we just came out of practice. So everything's been good, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. We're talking after Thursday practice. How has practice been this week? Why don't we practice start with that? Practice been real good. You know what I mean? We just, um, next play mentality. You know what I mean? Everything, everybody coming together. And, you know, um, I'm just excited for this group of men that we have on defense. So, yeah, I'm just, I'm just speechless right now. So, let, so let's talk about the defense. I think you guys have played on a whole really good football these last three weeks. You held the Bills to 14 points. You held Washington to 7 points. Mm. You held the Jets to 13 points. Unfortunately, the team was not able to finish those games, only winning one of the three, right? Mm-hmm. So how do you kind of take the performance of the defense as a whole in the context of, of, of kind of where the team is now moving forward? Oh, yeah, you know, the defensively, you know, the goal is to not let them score. You know, it's the NFL. Uh, we all know that everybody gets paid to do what they do. But it's like, you know, we just got to be unselfish. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's, it's going to be times where um, I had to be unselfish. There's a lot of role players in here that just that, that drop sometimes, that rush sometimes and stuff like that. So sure. we just all, what, what can we do to get to the quarterback? What can we do to stop certain plays that our opponents that's, has been making? You know what I mean? So it's just like um, – Really, just really, just being unselfish, and that's why we've been really um, dominating on defense and up front and stuff like that. In addition to the unselfishness, what else have you guys done well on the on the field that has contributed, you think, to the success that you've had the last few weeks? Everybody just coming together and believing. You know, what I mean, we don't really care about results that much. You know, we just trust the process, and um, we really just uh, next play mentality. We just gotta do what we gotta do to come together and stuff like that, and um, be a sound defense. You know, what I mean. Um, Every opponent that we do, we just find out what's their strength and we just try to knock it off. So, you know, really just uh, whatever we got to do just to shut everything down. We really don't care who, who who gets there. We don't care about the picks and stuff like that. All that stuff going to come. And, you know, the, the goal is to get there. So we just – we really just want to do our part. You know, we, we don't depend on nobody on the defense. You know what I mean? That's, that's not the motto. We're not going to be on no blame game. The results is not really how we want it. But if we can control what's going on in the defense and help the offense out as we can, you know what I mean? I've been in teams where we just shut defenses down and stuff like that. So it's a great feeling. And uh, once we have all we got, that's all we need. Now, something did happen this week to your defense that was out of all of your control. Leonard Williams, one of your teammates, got traded to Seattle. My understanding of how this was presented to the team is interesting. Can you just tell the fans out there how it was presented to you guys and how you think generally the team as a whole kind of accepted what they, you know, when Leo got traded? You know, when uh, when I heard the news and stuff like that, you know, uh, we all know that everything is a business in this game. And that's why I be trying to tell these young cats because these, uh, these young cats that we got on our team, they really never – seen stuff like that so we would just try to let everybody know it's a business and that's why one play can change your life and one game can change your life and we always that's enjoy the point. moment that's why i be trying to tell people it's a brotherhood because we don't know who's going to retire we don't know who's going to get traded or cut we don't know who's just done with everything so uh one thing about this league is nothing but it's a lot of beautiful memories in this league so you know 
I mean, we can always see Leo all season. We can always see Leo, you know what I mean? As long as he's still in the league and stuff like that, that's all that matters. But we just glad that he just – we wish nothing but the best of Leo. And we love Leo. Um, we love Leo to the fullest. You know what I'm saying? That's my brother right there. And um, if he's happy, then I'm happy. You know what I'm saying? And not just him, just the whole defense in general. I'm just glad I got the got a chance to rush with Leo while I was here. You never know. It's always a future. I might rush with him again. But that's the whole process of having good memories and times and stuff. You know what I mean? So when I retire, I can remember that I used to rush with him. I used to do all the off the field and on the field with that man. So it's not really a goodbye to me. It's not really a goodbye to us. So we just – we wish nothing but the best of Leo. We love him. Understanding how the organization went about it, talking to Leo about it. From a player perspective, do you appreciate when you see an organization do right by a guy that's done right by the team has been such an effective player for them over the years? Oh, yeah, most definitely. You know what I mean? Every player that come, come in the organization, you know what I mean? We, we know what type of type of um, passion that that, that that man have. You know what I mean? Back to Leo's situation. Every time he come in this building, his presence was felt and stuff like that. You could feel the type of incitement um, the type of uh, derogatory, you know, man, and, and the type of the type of stuff that that person has. So I'm just kind of, you know, what I mean, you don't have players like that, you know, what I mean, usually you have players that just dull, you know, what I mean, he once you bring himself to the table, it's like you, you know, you know, more like like me when I come into the table. I know a lot of people be saying I'm an energy, but you know, what I mean, it's more toward than that, you know, what I mean, I bring everything to the to the puzzle. But once you have that type, that stuff got to come with then, you know, what I mean. So as leadership and stuff like that, that stuff just don't come, oh, I have to do this to lead and stuff. That stuff got to come within. So now how do you guys now react? And there's no replacing Leonard Williams, but how do you try to make up for his loss in terms of leadership in the locker rooms? I know he's a guy that a lot of people went to. They looked up to him. Mm -hmm. And also on the field, obviously still a very effective player. Oh, yeah. Uh, with, with that going on being said, you know, we just, you know, we lost a soldier. And um, it's hard to replace a Leo. And I would say, uh, you know, we have more leaders in here and stuff like that. So it's sure. like, that's just a part of the stuff. That's just part of the game, how everything is played, man. You know what I mean? We He really have a, in, he had a big impact in his team and stuff like that. But the, the question is, what are we going to do about it? Because I'm pretty sure Leah don't want us to fold. I'm pretty sure Leah don't want us to just give up like that. You know what I mean? Of course. So with that being said, it's like we all have to, really just go over the bump. We've been there when people get cut. We've been there when people, certain people don't make the team or get traded and stuff like that. So it's like, are we going to fold or are we just going to keep going? You know what I'm saying? But, you know, you never know. I mean, he, he had the Seahawks right now. He probably – he might miss us. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I'm pretty sure he got a lot of football in him. So you never know. The man might come back. Yeah, you're right. You never know. He's in, He could be a free, free agent in the offseason. Who knows what's going to happen with yeah, that. Exactly. Absolutely. So, you know. So – on the line now, you have the good news. You have both veteran and young guys now that can try to take up some of the snaps that Leo had, right? You mm -hmm. have Big A. Sean. You have Nacho, obviously. You have yourself. You have mm -hmm. DJ Davidson. You have Jordan Riley. For you personally, could you see yourself maybe doing some more three-technique rush stuff on passing downs now? Because that was really... On passing downs, his major role, right? You had Dexter killing the killing the center. I'm going to talk to you about him too. Yeah. Leo playing that three tech. Mm -hmm. Is that a spot where you can maybe see yourself a little bit more on passing downs now moving forward? Yeah, I mean, not not even just me, man. It's just like like I said, when we go against opponents, it's just certain players, you know, certain style who can play that role. It's going to be times where not even just even before when Leo came in here, we had certain styles of how we like this to get this offensive tackle or get this center out his way and sure. stuff like make him make basically get all the weaknesses what can we do it could be me 
it could be Leo, it could be Dex, you know what I mean? So that's how we really want it. I can play everywhere, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm confident, I'm very real confident playing in, in three. I played in, in nose and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. it's not, you know what I mean? Once we have each other, you know what I mean? We have a great coach, Dre. So it's like, you know, he teaching us everything, the same thing had, that he taught Leo. So, you know, I mean, we, we're, very, we're very confident in what we're doing. As you move forward here, how does, as a team, not just the defense now, finish games a little bit better? Because I feel like you're in these games the same way you were last year, right? And last year you won a lot of these close games. This year you've had a couple close games. You haven't been able to close it at the end. As a group, what do you guys need to do better to close out some of these games that are coming down to one scores in the final seconds? Uh, we had to finish 60 minutes. We had to finish the whole game instead of just we can't take no plays off or everything because – Around this time, it's middle of the season. I I can't even say it's middle of the season, but it gets harder. It's and dog it, days, right? Yeah, it's yeah. dog days. This is the time where your body starts to break. This is the times where a lot of injuries come. It's, a, it's times where, you know what I mean, people get bored. So we had what we had to do is not get bored. You know what I'm saying? Offense, defense, special teams, and all that. We had to still be fundamentally sound in all phases. So with that being said, we just got to finish, keep finishing and stuff like that. And uh, always have a next play mentality. You know, I mean, we, we sometimes it's teams where they had that one play and they just lose confidence. Like, you know, I mean, they wish they could take that play back. It's, sure. You know, I mean, it's a lot of it's a lot of plays and right in front of us. That's like for me, if I mess up one play, I'm not gonna worry about that whole play when I got 40 more plays in front of me. You know what I'm saying? So we just had to. I would say the big emphasis is finish. You no know? question. No, I'm with you. All right, I'm gonna go through some players here. Rapid fire. Mm -hmm. Dexter Lawrence. Third in the NFL in pressures as a nose tackle, which mm -hmm. is just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Have you put, you put a lot of good teams, a lot of good players? You ever seen anybody like that, dude? No, I have not seen no nose tackle really, like full force. Like the the guy put three players on IR. Like that's how that's how crazy it is. You know what I mean? And the thing about it is he's a baby. He's not even a grown man yet, and that's the scary part. You know what I mean? So I applaud him, and I will love. I'm love. I, I love rushing with him. You know what I mean? He just, he's a big baby. You know how, what I mean? How about Kayvon, young man that that seems to be coming into his own a little bit here? Yeah, I love. I love. You know what I mean? Kayvon. You know, I like the growth of him. You know what I mean? You know, last year he was a lot of learning. Now he's just letting it go. You know what I mean? And just, you know what I mean? It's it's. It's crazy how, you know what I mean, he was just seeing everything and stuff, you know what I mean? He, he he always beats himself up, you know, sometimes, but last year, and but you know, I always make sure he was straight and stuff like that, you know. He gonna get there, but now he just he he on a stage where uh he more is about the team. So whatever he gotta do to give it his all on the team, you know what I mean? Um all I can say with with Kayvon is, you know, I'm I'm loving the person that he turning into. He's becoming a a pro, you know. Have so. you noticed the impact that Bobby Okereke has had on this defense as he's kind of figured out this system over the past three, four weeks because he's all over the field, man. I, mean, he, I, I yeah. think he's playing great. Bobby is smart, and you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, he's a smart linebacker, and I played with him at the Colts, you know what I mean? So he he been on it. You know, he was also a guy, you know, I think I was year four at the time, and he was he was a rookie at the time. He really didn't say much, but now he's just letting it go. He letting everything go. He know the defense so well. So he just one thing about Wink is he want everybody versatile. Bobby can play anywhere. Shoot, you know what I mean. So it's just like it's just, he 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 definitely taking that role of of the pack, you know, in the linebacker phases and stuff like that. So he want everything perfect, but you know he know that everything perfect. Let's go above and beyond. Like it's a like sometimes it's a possible to this guy, you know what I mean, to to get a first down. 
But our goal is to not have nobody have a first down or have nobody to score on us. That's the mentality that we have. You know what I'm saying? That's why it's been a little bit successful for us because nobody should score on us. And if we keep going, like I said, the results is not going to be how it is. Once we had that monster where nobody can score on us, I think it's just unstoppable. So Bobby, he just he got the same mentality as me. All right, finally, the opponent this week. When you woke up on Wednesday and you saw everything going down with the Raiders, mm-hmm. you're someone that's been there. You understand what that organization is like. Were yeah. you like as blown away as everybody else? Or you're like, you know what, it's the Raiders. I kind of get it. Yeah, I, I feel like, you know, I got drafted there. So, you know what I mean? So, I just feel like. I treat every I treat every game like you know is a rivalry. You know I don't I don't see how you know what I mean this is a revenge game for me. I've been in six teams, so so it's like you know, like I've been in the Cowboys. I've been I could go on and too on. much revenge. Yeah, yeah, too much revenge. So it's like you know, I just play my game because the more you think about it, the more you're not gonna be in your game. So mm-hmm. um, most of the time I'm gonna play. I'm gonna be happy like damn I got drafted here, but you know it's time for me to shut this team down as I can. So but I never really got hyped up. Now, it'd be some personal games, you know what I mean, some stuff like that, but I really don't be phased by that. But, you know, I'd just be happy to to play any any team that I phase. But shout out to them, you know what I mean, because they drafted me, but, you know what I mean, no hard feelings with them. So there you have it with that. No, absolutely. How do you then prepare for that team, right? They're going to play a rookie quarterback. You Mm -hmm. do have one game of tape of him, right, as a starter, and then he played, Mm -hmm. I think, 12 plays in another Mm -hmm. game or something like that. But it's a new offensive coordinator. Obviously, they can't tear up the playbook in a week. They're going to have the same playbook. Mm -hmm. But tendencies can change, right? How they approach it, when they call runs, when they call passes. So how do you guys go about preparing for this, knowing it's going to be similar, but at the same time, it's going to probably be a little bit different too? Yeah, yeah, and and that's that's how it is when you have new coaches, new coordinators, and stuff like that. We just when those type of things like that, you know, we just evaluate every player, their strength and their weaknesses, and stuff like that. And when it comes to, you know, what I mean, what they rely on the film, they might change it up. You know, what I mean, some some teams change it up in two days. You know, what I mean, some people just want to pass it more instead of running the ball and stuff like that. So some people want to run the ball more and stuff like that. So uh, I would just say just learn their strength and their weaknesses. Uh, individually and really just be fundamentally sound like just do fundamental football it's not about what they do it's what we do so it's like you know once we have that you know what I mean we'll be good all right final question I talked to Bobby O'Karake about this the other day and he was Mm -hmm. raving about the player your thoughts on Josh Jacobs and what makes him a tough running back to to defend and take down I think Josh Jacobs is one of the uh he's one of the top running backs I I like him because he went hard and uh you know what I mean uh Sure, I, I like he he's shifty in power. You don't know what he you don't know what he gonna do. So, um, best we thing we gotta do we just gotta uh, we gotta tackle. We can't we can't be having no missed tackles with them because once you miss tackle, then you know what I mean it's gonna be a whole nother story. But um, we 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 like him. We like the way he run. You know what I'm saying. But you know we just gotta find a way to stop him. Hadi, good stuff, man. We appreciate the time. Best of luck against the Raiders. Thank you, man. Go Giants. You're ready for a change. Payday comes early with citizens. So go to that retreat. New you moves to the country. Now you're raising goats and launching a lifestyle brand. Are you ready for all that life brings? That's Jihad Ward. The Giants Little Podcast is brought to you by Citizens, the official bank of the New York Giants. From game day to every day, Citizens is made ready for Giant fans with insights, guidance, and solutions. Learn more at citizensbank.com. Now let's turn our attention to the Giants opponent this week. Lance Meadow talks to Jason Horowitz. Giants head to Vegas for the first time ever to collide with the 3-5 and five Raiders on Sunday. And to help break down what to expect from the silver and black, 
We're now joined by the play-by-play announcer for the Raiders Radio Network, also a colleague of mine at Westwood One Sports, as well as Sirius XM, none other than Jason Horowitz. Jason, you got Lance Meadow here on Giants.com. Hope all is well. How's everything on your end? It's great. It's been a while. Our faces are a little older. Our uh, bags <laughs> under our eyes are a little larger uh, <laughs> since we first met a long time ago, but all is well, my friend. Well, it's a pleasure having you on the program. It's always great to catch up and hear our paths cross with respect to a Raiders-Giants matchup. And Jason's been pretty busy in Vegas, it's fair to say, since unfortunately the Raiders lost to Lions. So let's review. Monday night after the game, they part ways with head coach Josh McDaniels, GM Dave Ziegler, offensive coordinator Mick Lombardi, while also benching Jimmy Garoppolo. As far as the coaching and GM moves go, I want to focus on that first. This group was only in place for about a year and a half. So what do they think, Jason, this change is essentially going to help ignite here in the second half of the season? I believe the change is as much about culture, environment, um, and the and the belief in the people who are trying to make those decisions uh, as much as it is about the timing and about, to some extent, the performance. Um, I think, you know, there had been some reports last year uh, that the players, while they trusted the Raiders, the players loved how they were treated um, within the facility, training, weight room, you know, the 1,300 uh, person survey that happened from the NFLPA uh, that wasn't necessarily accurate with how players felt about the coaching staff um, and how they were treated with regards to that. So um, ranked so high in so many categories except that one. And, you know, that's only year one. There were so many close games last year, six and 11. Yes, but there were a record setting uh, double digit halftime leads that were blown. So six and 11 could have easily been 10 and seven in the playoffs. And it wasn't. So I, I think there was a thought that, hey, OK, they come in, they tear it all down. Um, they're going to go with their quarterback. They're going to bring in some of their guys, Jacoby Myers. Uh, they get a full draft class. Remember, when they traded for Devontae Adams, there was no draft last year. It started in the third round. Um, so I think there was a thought of, okay, let's see what happens then and and go from there. Uh, but this is a team that is way too talented, Lance, to be struggling the way that they are on offense. And it's, it's actually, I think, one of the worst in 70-some years for a team to go eight weeks into the season without – some of the numbers they've had. So it's been really bad. And I don't think there was a belief that the coach knew how to fix it. And so you get all of those things in place. Some of the cultural stuff that has started to come out, the meeting that happened between the players and the coaching staff, the Thursday before Monday night football, the embarrassing performance on Monday night football, coupled with what happened in Chicago. And you put it all together and Mark Davis decided that it was time to make a change. The other thing that's been a bit surprising about this season, Jason, is they bring in Jimmy Garoppolo, obviously has the connection to Josh McDaniels, but Garoppolo's track record has always been a solid pro. He's going to make mm -hmm. good decisions and yep. nine interceptions this season, which leads the NFL. You know, that was a bit perplexing. So what do they get now by making the move to Aiden O'Connell based on what you've seen so far in a very limited sample size of only two games? So nine interceptions. And remember, he missed two and a half games. Yeah. So that it, it makes it worse, really. And it, it, it's even more than that, Lance. My partner, Lincoln Kennedy, who I really, really enjoy working with, with the Raiders on the broadcast. Um, and Lincoln is not one to mince words. Um, and, and I would use his judgment on this. But as we're broadcasting games and he's talking about Jimmy Garoppolo, particularly the last two that he has played, 
he's pointing out what he calls happy feet. And, you know, if you're watching the game, you, you know exactly what that looks like. You know, someone who's not positive, he wants to throw, he's looking, he's looking, he's unsure. He's, his feet are just moving. There's nothing settled. There's no confidence there. And in all fairness to Jimmy Garoppolo, how healthy he is. You know, he's had all the injury history, the foot surgery that he had in March. He was healthy enough to be cleared for camp. He had a concussion in week three. He missed week four. He had a back injury against, uh, I believe the Packers were week six. He missed Chicago week seven, comes back against the Lions. He was getting drilled in Detroit. And so you throw all of that together, um, and what do they get by going to Aiden O'Connell? Well, aside from the fact that the front office, whoever that may be in the future, or the current front office gets a chance to look at a rookie quarterback who is pretty special in training camp and in preseason, there are, there are some within the building who have said anonymously that Aiden O'Connell is their best quarterback right now. And I don't think that's saying that Jimmy Garoppolo's best days are are worse than Aiden O'Connell. I think that means Jimmy Garoppolo right now, Jimmy Garoppolo when he has been at his best, including leading a team to a Super Bowl. And so you put those things together, and I think there's a belief that Aiden O'Connell gives them a better chance to win today than Jimmy Garoppolo does. And you get to see quarterback might be able to be for nine games. Now, there's only so many changes that you can implement in the span of a few days, given it's a quick turnaround <laughs> on Monday night. The reason I bring that up is you got a new offensive coordinator. Interestingly, though, Jason, Scott Turner is also on staff as the passing game coordinator, who you know called plays for many years with the commanders. What I'm getting yeah. at is how much do you think Turner perhaps could be involved, maybe not necessarily this week, but moving forward, given the fact that he has a little bit more experience being a play caller? Yeah, I would I would guess that there would be a, a, a mixture there. You know, remember, so they fire offensive coordinator Mick Lombardi, but Mick Lombardi didn't call the plays either. You know, Josh McDaniels was the play caller. So not yeah. only were you a degree removed, uh, Josh McDaniels was the play caller. So not only were you a degree removed from um, offensive coordinator calling the plays, you're really two degrees removed because Bo Hardegree, who's now the interim offensive coordinator, was just the quarterback's coach. But that also means that he was specifically consistently working with Aiden O'Connell. And 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 so you put that together. I, I think there's a possibility that it's a it's a group effort. Um, you know, Bo's a young coach, uh, but he is, I think, respected in the group. They were excited when they brought him on board. Um, the quarterbacks have talked very highly of him in the past. So I, I think there's there's something there. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some kind of collaboration between he and, and, and Scott Turner. So there's, there's certainly there. This is Lance. I'm not really sure to be perfectly honest, how day to day and week to week are going to go for this coaching staff. You know, Antonio Pierce has never been a coordinator. You know, he's never been obviously a head coach. Um, Patrick Graham has been a coordinator. And while the defense has, you know, struggled a little bit the last couple of weeks, the reality is they've made enough winning plays to win in Detroit, right? It's like if the offense wasn't one of 11 on third down and, um, you know, wasn't struggling so badly to score, then the defense isn't on the field for 42 minutes. You know, there's a, there's a combination of all there. And the, the tackles for loss, the, the forcing the Lions to five field goal attempts, three times the Lions had goal to go and had to settle for field goals. Like that's, that's winning defense in today's NFL. And the three takeaways, including a pick six, you know, that's something the Raiders have been really struggling with for years is takeaways. That's the second time in the last four games they've had three takeaways. So that's a big deal. So I, I, I think 
I think the defense is getting better, playing well enough to have winning football if the offense holds its, its water. The question is, is the offense fixable? And I have to believe with Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs that the offense, and Jacoby Myers, that the offense is fixable if they start running something else. Well, to your point, they're not lacking weapons. So that brings me to the next phase here. In terms of, Jason, their approach against the Giants, there's a team that has scored 21 points or less in each of their eight games. What do you think the approach of the new offensive staff is going to be? Are they going to say, hey, Aiden, you got to take some chances down the field? Is it going to be more of a conservative game plan leading on Josh Jacobs? How are they going to manage you yeah. think, trying to attack what's been a pretty solid Giants defense over the last few weeks? So I would just throw five, four receivers out wide and say, everybody go deep. <laughs> That's what I would do <laughs> just on the first play, right? What's the worst thing that could happen? We throw an interception. So what? Um, <laughs> I, uh, you know, we, Aiden O'Connell started against the Chargers week four and look, it was mixed results. He was sacked seven times. He, he had was fumbled twice. They lost two fumbles in the first half. Um, he threw an interception on first and goal from the three where the Raiders were going into the chance to tie the ball game late. And so you look at all of that and you're like, Hey, how good was it? The reality was he played well enough to put them in position to come back from all of that. There's something about that. There's something good there. And they did take some shots down the field. There's a couple of thoughts in head where, you know, he took a couple of deep shots to Jacoby Myers. Um, one of them was called back for offensive pass interference, but it was, like he put it up there between two defenders and put it in a really good spot for Jacoby to go make it play. Um, so I, I do think there's something there in that game against LA too. Devonte Adams got hurt early in the second quarter and missed the rest of the quarter. So I wonder how much of those sacks were not having Devonte out there because he was being looked at in the locker room and obviously he's healthier now. So I, I, I think there's going to be more fluidity is the right right word there just hasn't been a rhythm to the Raiders offense really for four weeks and if there's a little bit more of a balance of a rhythm um then Aiden's going to be fine part of that's going to be him though like his his mental clock has got to be faster than it was against the Chargers and look the Giants lost Leonard Williams right traded him to Seattle so that's certainly helpful but you look across that defensive line and Kayvon Thibodeau approaching 10 sacks already on the year and you throw in uh, Dexter Lawrence, who's a captain and a pro bowler, and Ashawn Robinson's had a bunch of sacks in his career in the NFL. So it's a very difficult defensive line, and that's a problem considering the Raiders have struggled with their offensive line this year. Well, and that's why also the Giants have been able to capitalize on some of their recent opponents, specifically the Jets last week, even though they lost, yeah. because to your point, some of these teams have had trouble handling the front seven. With respect to Devontae Adams, he's coming off a game where he had only one catch. Clearly, he was frustrated after the game. He's got 78 targets, Jason. In terms of the rest of the league, that's not terrible. But I think... No, it's top he, 10. It, it, correct. Yeah, exactly. and, and I think... And if my numbers are uh, correct, Lance, I mean, he wasn't targeted a ton on Monday. I want to say it was four or five times. So I think he was like fifth or sixth in targets going into Monday night. 100%. So I, I guess what I'm getting at is, do you think, though... The philosophy is going to be, well, Aiden O'Connell, second start, Devontae, new offense. Let's go out of our way to try to – I guess I'll use yeah. force feed for the lack of – I hope better. not. I hope not. So, you know, last week, two weeks ago, leading up to Chicago, and remember, that was after a win. 
They had beaten the, the Packers on Monday night. They had beaten the Patriots. And again, offensively, it was 17-13 and 21-17. But the 21 was because of a safety. So the offense still has not scored 20. Forget 21. The offense hasn't scored 20 this year. Um, and they're the only team in the NFL who can't say that. Uh, but after the win against New England, Devontae on Wednesday was it made the rounds. He was visibly frustrated and talked about the fact for, you know, he doesn't want to be a selfish player, but for him and this offense to go where they want to go, he has to be great, and they need to get him the football more. Because I think he was targeted like four times in that Patriots game. It wasn't a lot. And um, that made the rounds. And what happened in Chicago, Lance, he, uh, there were eight pass attempts in the first quarter in Chicago. He was the target on seven of them. They didn't score a point. Now, part of that was a 41-yard block field goal, but but still, like they, they couldn't even get to the red zone. It was a struggle all day. So my – my concern about that, if it's the case with Aiden O'Connell, is, you know, you got a rookie quarterback who's a fourth-round quarterback. Um, you know, if his focus is, hey, we're getting Devontae the ball, I don't care who's there, that's a problem, right? I'm not saying he has to find his third and fourth progressions, but they got to run plays that he's comfortable with. And, and as Lincoln constantly says and has been telling me now all year, they just don't run stuff that modern offenses run. They don't run enough crossing routes. They don't rub enough rub routes. They don't run enough pick routes. And I realize pick routes are illegal, but everybody runs them. You know, they don't. Trey Tucker is a the guy they got on the trade for Darren Waller is Trey Tucker. Third round pick out of Cincinnati, and he can fly. Now, he's got some inconsistencies, but in the early part of the season, every time they got him the football, positive play, 30 yards, 15 yards, 8 yards. It wasn't, you know, touchdowns, but they were positive plays. Pass interference call on the defense. So, I think they got to work on getting him the ball too. But the other part to your problem with Devontae Adams is um, Renfro has been completely excluded from this offense. There was a game a couple of weeks ago. He was on the field for seven offensive snaps. This is a pro bowler from a couple of years ago that they paid $51 million in an extension, or maybe it wasn't that high. They gave 51 to Waller, but, but they gave him an extension when they, when they got there. And he's a capable receiver. Michael Mayer, you trade up to draft him in the second round. This is the leading receiver in Notre Dame history by tight ends, and he didn't play a fourth year. Guy can catch. He made a great catch in Detroit the other night. So they have a lot of choices. I think they need to use all of them. And perhaps we'll see more of that distribution, spread the wealth mentality that you were hitting on. Because once again, I echo your sentiments. I don't think it's a question about lacking weapons around the quarterback. Now, speaking of upside, want to flip the script to defense as we're talking with Jason Horowitz, previewing Giants Raiders this Sunday, the play-by-play voice for the Raiders radio network. We know Max Crosby is one of the most disruptive players in the NFL. I mean, there's no point in even asking you what he's shown because we know (laughs) the numbers have proven that and so forth. And he's playing a lot of snaps and he's delivering. But Tyree Wilson, they went out, they got him in the first round. I'm curious, Jason, has he made as much of an impact as you had anticipated or the rest of the organization based on where they took him and Patrick Graham's ability to try to get guys after the quarterback? No, the answer to that's definitely no. I don't think it's a fully fair answer, though, because he didn't even get on the field in training camp till the end of August. He had foot surgery. Um, he was hurt at the end of November at Texas Tech. And so he wasn't even cleared to come off of the uh, NFI list until until the end of August. So I don't think that's a fair answer to the guy that's trying to get up to NFL speed, especially when you think that the Raiders, I know Chandler Jones didn't have the greatest season last year in what has been a really great career. Um, but they obviously expected Chandler Jones to be the one opposite Max Crosby and then working in Tyree Wilson and Malcolm Kuntz as their third and fourth pass rushers, and that obviously didn't happen. 
right? Chandler Jones um, had the off the field issues, was arrested, violating uh, protection order a couple of times, was dismissed from the team. Uh, and a lot of people have seen some of the you know posts he's had over the last couple of months, which have certainly been disturbing. So I think the anticipation was that Chandler Jones would be a much bigger part of this defense. There would be a bounce back from last year of some sorts. He was having a great camp, great off season, and that obviously didn't happen. So Tyree Wilson had to do more uh, than than expected. And there's been some moments, there's been some flashes. He's had some efforts where he's put pressure on the quarterback, forced the quarterback to roll out of the pocket. He only has one sack, and it was uh, kind of a meaningless play. It was a Hail Mary at the end of the second quarter in Chicago, and the Bears were like 70 yards away, 60 yards. So it wasn't going to result in anything. But um, I think there is some – He's starting to get it. Like he graded out really high in pro football focus a couple weeks ago. He's on the field a lot more now than he was earlier. So I think the hope is the second half of the season, Tyree Wilson comes to life and shows what they hoped he would with the top 10 pick. And um, anytime you draft a guy in the top 10, you assume that he's going to have production. You know, the Lions drafted Aiden Hutchinson number two, and he's right there with Max Crosby with the most pressures in the NFL uh, heading into last week and Max he's just relentless and unstoppable and his energy needs to carry over some of the other guys because when we looked at the Raiders defense from last season obviously they needed more sacks around Max Crosby so they're still trying to navigate that I think the other thing that came to mind was more opportunistic plays they only had six interceptions last season that was tied with the Giants but as you mentioned you're starting to see those opportunistic plays and Marcus Peters came through with one to pick six. However, the run defense, Jason, is what jumps off the yeah, page for not very good reasons. They're 30th yeah. in the NFL. We know what Jameer Gibbs did on Monday night. Yeah. If you had to pinpoint why that's been such a troublesome area, what's the major problem? So two things. Uh, Matt Millen said in the preseason, uh, you know, great linebacker, won four Super Bowls with the Raiders and the, and the nine, uh, and Washington too, Raiders, Niners, and Washington. Um Linebackers are small, you know, small, obviously Matt was a bigger guy played in a different era of linebackers. Um, but it was concerning to him how the linebackers would fare in the run game. Um, last year, Denzel Perriman, and he missed some time with injury, but Denzel was more of a thumper. And, but, but our, our guys really struggled last year to cover the past. And, and this year um, until Monday night, the Raiders had gone four straight games, allowing less than 200 yards passing which was the most the Raiders have had consecutively since 2010. So the pass defense had been much better, but the run defense has really been a problem. And it's not that it, you're, it's not just that you're giving up all the yards. It's that every run is a five, six, seven yard run. And when that's happening, you're not getting off the field and it's demoralizing and all those things. And that's happening consistently. Um, and it has all year. It's not like it's just Monday here in Chicago. It's really been a problem all year long. And Saquon Barkley, you know, look, I don't know how he's feeling after 36 carries last week, but clearly the Giants, you think, are going to be a team that's going to try to give him the ball 30 times because there's nothing so far that the Raiders have been able to say. It's like, hey, we're going to go out there and stop the run. I also think, though, on Monday night specifically, Raiders did not have Divine Diablo coming into the game. Uh, He is one of the two starting linebackers and had a pretty good year, really good year in coverage, but a pretty good year. Um Luke Masterson, who was the one who filled in for him, suffered a concussion early in the game. My assumption is he won't play, but I don't know that for a fact. And you were down to a rookie linebacker who had been inactive the entire season until Monday night. Uh, And he was a converted safety to linebacker for one year at Florida. So I I think that played a 
role on Monday as much as everything else, and we'll see what happens on Sunday. A lot of changing dynamics in terms of the players as well as the coaches with respect to the Raiders. Jason, before I let you go, you look at both of these teams, and I would say they're a bit of mirror images on the offensive side of the ball because the Giants are struggling to put points on the board. The Raiders' defense we talked about has come a long way. So has the Giants. Is it fair to say there's going to be a relatively low-scoring, grinded-out affair in your eyes? Or do I you hope think not. that somebody is going to break out in a certain area that we haven't necessarily anticipated? And I know you have somewhat of an interest in the game, considering, obviously, you're calling it. So I understand your reaction from that standpoint. Yes. Well, I, I mean, listen, as, as the voice of a team, um, you always hope that the entertainment value is very high. <laughs> And with the frustration that's been there for the first half of the season from the offense, um, you you know, it's certainly been difficult to call and frustrating and, and all those things. So I'd like to hope that that's not the case and that the uh, the playmakers on the Raiders have a have a you know, there's, maybe there's an awakening. Maybe it you know, the, maybe the problem was Josh McDaniels play calls. I don't know if that's fully true and I'm not sure that's fully fair. Um, but when you make the change eight games into the season, it doesn't happen all that often. Uh, for non-off-the-field-related stuff, um, you hope that that sparks something when somebody else is in charge. And in this case, it's a new play caller. It's a new quarterback. The the vibe. I mean, I don't know, Lance, if you saw on, on Thursday any of the videos that were released from people covering the team in Las Vegas. There were some videos in the locker room. There were some videos on the field. It's just a different vibe. You know, players, I think um, – you know, I don't know if this is how they've always felt with regards to this to the coaching staff, but with right now, it feels a little bit more freeing. And um, there was there was just a different attitude with the change, uh, and it didn't seem like it's an attitude of oh that we're throwing in the towel on the season, we're firing our head coach, forget about it. I think there's an attitude of hey, two years ago, and for very different reasons, right? John Gruden resigned for very different reasons than why Josh McDaniels was fired. Um, Team, with some of the same guys on this team, went with interim head coach Richard Satya, won a lot of close games and yep. uh, playoffs. And I, I don't know that this team can do that, you know, but but there's a lot of really good players on this team. And I think if they get some confidence for the offense and some rhythm against a good Giants defense, that you'll have a different thought going into the Jets game. And the reality, Lance, is if they beat the Giants and the Jets both at home, five and five teams make the playoffs. So we'll see what happens. I, I don't know. That's getting way ahead of ourselves here. But 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 um, I'd like to think that this change allows the guys to play a little bit more relaxed and go from there. And I did see some of the reports you were referencing. I see some of the beat writers referring to it as the happiest locker room they've ever seen. So if that's weird, right, tell it's you, weird. To, it's yeah. weird to say that, you know, and, and yeah. I'm not in there. I don't I don't live in Las Vegas. So it's not, you know, the week to week thing that I'm with those guys every Wednesday, Thursday and Friday. Um, but 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 post game, you can tell you can tell how guys feel. I mean, you, it's different post game because you're 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 getting the immediate reactions of disappointments and frustration and all of that. Um, but there's just a different there's a different tone you know when you're listening to guys at the podium when you're hearing what they're saying in the locker room there's a different tone the last 36 48 hours and uh not that you ever want to root for someone to be let go or lose their job i really liked um particularly dave ziegler i spent a lot more time with him than i did with josh mcdaniels over the last 19 20 months since i got the job or less than that really 14 months 
And, uh, and I really liked him a lot. Um, personally, professionally, how open he was, how honest he seemed to be, um, how much information he gave, and really just how he approached me as an individual and as a person. Um, I appreciated every day with Dave Ziegler, leading up to including Monday night uh, when we talked on the field in Detroit. Um, so you never want anybody to have to suffer because there's families involved. There's a lot of stuff. And I, I get the idea that they all understand that that's part of the job, but you never root for that. But that doesn't change the fact that some of the players may feel very differently than I do or than, you know, with respect to that. So um, it, it may very well feel like a very different team on Sunday. Well, and that's why the Rich Passaccia example, I think, is great. I was talking with our colleague Rich Gannon earlier this week. He referenced yeah. the same thing. And you see the type of change that Passaccia brought. Antonio Pierce is a former player. We know he's a motivator, so time will tell, and he's going to be motivated going up against his former team. So from that standpoint, we're not lacking storylines coming into Sunday's game between the Giants and the Raiders. I will tell you that, Jason. I don't know what the product on the field is going to be like, but I can tell you there's going to be a lot to talk about, at least. And from a broadcasting standpoint, we're not complaining. He is Jason Horowitz, who you can hear on the Raiders radio network as the play-by-play announcer, also a colleague of mine, Westwood One Sports and Sirius XM. Jason, I can't thank you enough. Really appreciate the time and the insight. Enjoy calling the game and look forward to talking to you down the road. Appreciate it. You got it. My pleasure. You love turf. You're good at it. So you start a turf biz. Business grows. Your savings grow. Become the most celebrated name in turf. Are you ready for all that life brings? That's Jason Horowitz. We thank him for joining Lance Meadow here on the Giants Huddle Podcast. Giant fans love a winner. It's why they love citizens. Named a 2022 Best Bank in the U.S. by The Banker as the official Bank of the New York Giants and sponsor of the Giants Huddle. Citizens is made ready for fans of Big Blue. Learn more at citizensbank.com. Now our bonus content, a very illuminating and interesting sit-down interview between Carl Banks and Kayvon Thibodeau. Kayvon, we talk a lot in the offseason, have some candid conversations, and the things that you say to me are like, what what do I need to do better? How can I, what, what do you see? And then during training camp, you talk to uh, the general media about you watch film from last year. You're not looking at what you did well. Mm -hmm. You're looking at what you didn't do. Mm -hmm. Why? I mean, highlights are what we all see, right? Highlights are easy. You know, you pick out your best plays and people think that that's their resume. but in the league, you start to see that there are so many more plays that go into being a complete player. So for me, you know, coming from my first year to second year, I knew that, okay, the things that I'm good at are my gifts and the things that I need to um, get better at need to become my strengths. It's interesting you say complete player because there is this public perception, well, he was drafted five and he should be doing X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. The complete player, as I see it, is the player who does the things that go unnoticed, Mm -hmm. but that help his team. And what about that part of your game that you can say, I'm contributing every play, y'all just don't see it? I think it attributes to football evolving. Mm -hmm. right? When you looked at pass rushers, when you looked at guys who played my position, who used to play it, um, it was a different, you know, it was a different body type. They were bigger, they were stronger, they were, you know, uh, more stout. 
and now we've transitioned to getting as much speed on the field as possible. So if you notice how uh, Wink calls the defense, um, it's about, you know, doing your job. You know, everybody can, you, most, a lot of other teams have kind of like a front coverage where you just let, you know, your great players go play. But when you kind of work as a whole team, it's almost like, you know, an orchestra um, and how it happens. So for me, whether I'm dropping back, making a quarterback, you know, second think, you know, taking a check down or looking at the tight end or, um, um, you know, just holding the edge so that the blitz can hit so that, you know, because sometimes you have rushers that just go rush and now the, the rush and the blitz is not working together. Mm -hmm. Right. So me sometimes, you know, understanding that, yeah, they're going to send a chip at me, but I'm taking two guys so that somebody else is free or, you know, I'm playing to the slide so that, you know, my other guys can come free and make plays. But, you know, it's all kind of a um, it's a chess game when you talk about, you know, being in certain positions to ultimately come to the, you know, goal. So you start the season, the splash plays aren't there. It's just the blue collar work. Mm -hmm. Right. Then all of a sudden these sacks are starting to come in bunches. Mm -hmm. Was there ever a point, either your rookie year or currently, where you heard the outside noise and started to say to yourself, man, are they using me right? Should I be doing X, Y, and Z? That's the poison, right? And you talk mm -hmm. about the poison and like, everybody who has a plan, you know, when you get punched in the mouth, you kind of, you get nervous about that plan mm -hmm. and you start to, have all these other ideas come in your head and that's when like the trust and the, the process, you throw everything out the window and it turns into fight or flight. But um, I've had a lot of people tell me, you know, over my years that like, you gotta stay on the yellow brick road, you know, stick mm -hmm. to the script. You can't say the plan doesn't work if you don't give it, you know, your everything. So for me, it's not necessarily that I let it deter me from the mission, but you know, it does start to kind of play in your mind like, okay, well, am I doing everything that I should be doing? It's kind of understanding that like, I just got to stay consistent and keep chopping wood. You know, I can't mm -hmm. really, it's, after the first game, people were acting like it was the end of the season. Like we didn't have 16 more games, but mm -hmm. now we're here and you know, um, I just got to keep going. Before we get into the sack that I labeled the ERD, the electronic revolving door, um, you seem to be doing different things every sack. It wasn't the same pass rush move, right? Yeah. Were you kind of feeling out the offensive tackle to see what you were going to do next yeah. so that he wouldn't expect it because you had two rushes, two sacks off the right side and then the left side was a move that probably one of the more difficult things a pass rusher can do to go a full move inside and then get back outside around. Yeah. In your head, did you say this is what I'm going to do with it, or it just happened? So, so it's funny. You know, take you back to that game. Um, I knew the how they were setting, right? I knew 77 was a high hand puncher. I knew he kind of his feet kind of got stuck, and then 61, um, he let a lot of people beat him around the edge. So I, I knew that you know there were certain moves that were going to work mm. during the game. Um, the first, the first couple moves I threw was the, I think it was almost the first drive. I threw, it was a, it looked like a swipe, but in my head it was a stab club, mm -hmm. but it just kind of came just as fast. So, you know, the swipe to the rip and I got around him. And then after that, I ran a inside move that didn't work versus mm -hmm. um, 77. I knew it didn't work. So I hit him with a jab. I kind of jabbed him and then swiped again mm -hmm. and finished outside. And then on that last move, I had went to 61 uh, before and I just, I, I tried to run the edge, it didn't work. Mm. So then I told myself like, all right, I'm gonna bring a jab in and see if I can sit him down. And when I jabbed, it it felt like 
I could have took it, you know, but then it's like the quick thinking and the training and all that. that yeah. was like, okay, he once he played back, I didn't have it. I got back around. Yeah, that was that was. A yeah, that, very, that, I would say that's my best. I, when I looked at it, yeah, I was like, it's probably one. I of mean, my, you should allow yourself maybe. to see that one. Yeah, that was a good right? one. Right, like all the other ones, you can say, okay, I can do that. That one, you should allow yourself to see. So you lost one of your brothers via trade, Leonard Williams, right? Great locker room guy. Yeah. Leadership is there now that he's gone. Is there more on players like yourself to assume that leadership void? I know you have you lead in your own way, but, yeah. but then when you see a guy like him who leads by example, um, is there more that you guys feel that you should do or just do your? your Definitely part? not. I mean, you know, it, it feels different when you're on the field. You know, you usually have another presence, another leader, and now that that's gone, you know, another guy is up. Now it's like okay, a guy like me who's an upcoming leader, it's like okay, well. You know, it's time. It's, I got to speed up a little up. bit. Yeah it's, yeah, it's time to grow up and now yeah. know that the other guys stepping in are going to look at me because now, I'm, you know, I'm that guy that's kind of next up or I'm the guy that's making plays. Um, last question. You head to Las Vegas. They've had a lot of, lot of changes in the last 24 to 48 hours. So um, different coach, different coordinator. Now it's a different quarterback. Mm-hmm. What is the process of preparing for a guy that you haven't seen? Is it, let me look at what their offensive linemen do, because mm-hmm. those leopards may not change their spot. The scheme may, but those mm-hmm. guys, how do you prepare for a quarterback that you haven't dealt so, with? So me personally, um, I always start with the offensive line, mm-hmm. right? And every individual player has their tendencies. Um, the NFL has become something of the NBA where guys are matching up. Right, mm-hmm. so you got to win your one-on-one. So I always start with the old line and looking at their keys, and then from there I got to go back and look at the film of you know pocket presence and things like that to understand you know where does he favor? You know mm-hmm. most quarterbacks favor a certain tackle, or they drop back favor a certain side of their body, or even a certain wide receiver, or maybe to the field or to the boundary. So you know taking the little keys and little things that I can get, and still you know being able to focus in on you know my got main it. job. Well, keep up the good work, man, and um, good luck this week. Thank you. Thanks, sir. Appreciate you. Really a great interview. Good insight there from Carl and Kayvon. Now we wrap it up as we usually do. Bob Papa with the head coach of the Giants, Brian Dable. The Giants are in Las Vegas to take on the Raiders. As always, we're joined by the head coach of the New York Giants, Brian Dable. And coach, uh, obviously you got some good news this week with Daniel Jones able to work his way back. What have you seen out of your quarterback so far this week as far as practice is concerned? Yeah, he's been he's been on top of the game plan. He's had a good week of practice. Uh, he'll be ready to go. The last time we saw he and Saquon Barkley playing in a game together, you guys put up 31 points in the second half against Arizona. Can you just talk about how it works with those two playing together and how um, it can create some explosive plays for you guys offensively? Yeah, I'd say they're two good players. So as, as many good players as we can have on the field, that's always helpful. Uh, you know, Saquon is, is good both in the run and the pass, and, and DJ's got a good understanding of what we want to try to do each week. Uh, so it'll be good to have them both out there. Going into the game this week, obviously um, there have been a lot of changes with the Raiders, but one thing hasn't changed. Uh, Max Crosby is someone that you're going to have to deal with. When you throw the tape on, obviously he's a fantastic player, but – does the motor that he plays with on every single snap just jump out at you? Absolutely. He's an unbelievable player. He's got a great skill set, great length, but 
you know, his motor is off the chart and the plays he makes, you know, you can make a highlight tape of four to five to even more plays each game where you're just like, wow, I mean, this, this guy's a, an unbelievable football player. Uh, he plays with the right mindset, with a great motor, and he's got great talent on top of it. Coach, the other thing is his football IQ. I mean, we know about his speed. We know how he runs all over the place, like his hair is on fire. But, like, there was a play in last week's game against the, uh, against the Lions where I think there was a jet sweep yeah. motion. Yeah. And it's like he peeked through and he anticipated and he saw it and it, you couldn't block it because he was ahead of it. Yeah, you know, like of all the things I just talked about, he's got great instincts, uh, smart player. Um, you know, you have, to do, you have to do a good job with this guy because he can wreck a game. Patrick Graham, um, obviously you spent time with him. He's the defensive coordinator for the Raiders. What is it about his defense that makes it a challenge for any offense? Yeah, you know, he's got a variety of schemes. Um, you know, I had a chance to, to work with Pat back at New England, um, have stayed friends with him, got a lot of respect for how he goes about his job. And, uh, again, he does a nice job of mixing things up, both zone, man, some pressures, um, gives you a variety of looks, uh, does a great job. Obviously, um, the – big change this week with Josh McDaniels being let go and Dave Ziegler being let go. So now you have a brand new head coach, an interim head coach who's never been a head coach before. Um, is that caused a lot of extra work for your staff this week trying to figure out, okay, what are they going to run and how much can they change? And if they do change a bunch of stuff, where are they changing it from? Yeah, you evaluate the players on the tape and the, the games that they've played. Uh, it's a player's game. Obviously, AP will have his own stamp of how he wants to do things. Uh, and then you adjust throughout the game. But, um, again, our job is to, to focus on, you know, their schemes, also their players. And, you know, as the game goes on, like every game goes on, you, you try to manage it and make adjustments when you need to. Coach, the Raiders are going to start a rookie quarterback. Um, they've got some weapons both at the running back position in Josh Jacobs, wide receiver Devontae Adams. And I would think with a young quarterback – them running the football is going to be a priority. Josh is a, an exceptional player. Had him at Alabama. Got great balance, body control, vision. Uh, obviously a very productive back. Um, so, you know, everything always usually starts with the, with the running game. And then, yeah, their, their skilled players are, are very talented. Um, they cause, I'd say, significant issues. 17 is one of the best receivers in the league. Um, and anytime he's in a one-on-one -on -one matchup, you know, I'd be looking for him too. Coach, we appreciate a couple minutes. Best of luck uh, this afternoon. First trip for the Giants ever to Las Vegas, and uh, we hope that uh, you get the winning hand this week. Thanks, Pop. Appreciate you. That's the head coach of the Giants, Brian Dable. We thank you so much for joining us right here on the Giants Huddle Podcast. Thanks to Lance and Jason Horowitz, Kayvon and Carl, and, of course, Jihad Ward. Thanks for being with us. It's all brought to you by Citizens, the official bank of the Giants. I am John Schmelk. We'll see you next time on the Giants Huddle Podcast.